Blog Talk Radio. Work out in the end, but 
friends and enemies are so close to me I don't know who you supposed to be So contemplate that before approaching me Got the south side right behind me, homie And for me that's plenty Now the bypass the drugs and the haters and the handy Play the politics right and ever so gentle Reach up and snatch that bread Get the fam fed Get it like a man like my uncles and pops would If they had the chance Or maybe they did and just couldn't advance Damn all I can be I am more than a man Y'all don't understand Gotta get the cheese like a multiple choice question And all I see is big Father told me long ago ain't nothing free So I was talking that cheese like a new gift It's a revolution so every moment crucial I can never break you will never see me do so Resolution I will always be on top like resolution Got the life cause I'ma shine bright Pump the music baby it's a revolution Feel the music baby it's a resolution Pump the music baby it's a revolution Rain in the windshield the wiper blades Got me dazing off in outer space Working out my next chest move a hole in the game to break through In the meantime, I just grind and pay dues Rhyme and stay true, rather die than shot shoes Since I was knee high, I shine better than bruise The face and egos are much better than you My flow is clever five, so I can never lose And you know it won't stop Till a brother talking shop In an office with a view And a 30-story drop And a pretty girl or two Saying, man, we take your shoes Clever, welcome to the top Cause I need that gravy Checking the room, making sure nobody's shaded Laying in wait, lurking, waiting to play me Gotta pay the bills, gotta feed the baby If getting in it is a sin, Jesus save me Yeah, yeah You've been listening to Long Road Home This DJ Food, they can't even use quick hit
Peace to the gods. Peace to the goddesses. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of the Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. Once again, the Foundation on High Frequency Radio Network. Getting dialed in. Thanks for joining us. Definitely appreciate it. The foundation where we understand in, incorrect information incorrectly applied. Can get you hurt. Correct information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. But we're looking to apply correct information correctly as we lay the foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. I trust everyone is having a good week, enjoying yourself, being productive, and um, we're going to get started. But before that, I'd like to say all thanks and praises and honors due to the Creator and the ancestors, or without them, we'd, we would not be here. I want to say peace to big brother, Yusuf L., that's Yusuf L, highfrequencyradionetwork.com, extraordinaire, creator. Wouldn't be a foundation without high frequency. Definitely, welcome to the foundation.com. Just how it sounds, type it in, welcome to the foundation.com. Sign up for the email list right there on the first page. You can also find... The Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter page, all the social media pages. You can make a donation. You can schedule a consultation. All of these things can be achieved at welcometothefoundation.com. So moving forward, I want to say peace to all the listeners, all the live callers. I see you. Peace to y'all. Got Callie in here. Looks like we got George in here. Is that Maryland? Looks like we got Maryland in here. And all the rest of the live callers, because I don't know the rest of those area codes, man. I'm just going to be honest. I want to say peace to all the live listeners. All the internet listeners, those listening to the show on the internet. You can do that live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash high frequency, if you did not know. I want to say peace to all the archive listeners, all the podcast listeners, those who download the episodes. On their podcast app, you know. And definitely peace to everyone who's sharing the episodes via MP3, social media, so on and so forth. We can see it. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. I want to say peace to the trustees. And, you know, anyone invested in their private education. You know, we foundation, we offer trustee training over here. Hit me up, admin at welcome to the foundation.com if you want more information regarding that training. Uh, you know, we definitely get down with the trustee training. Moving forward, I want to say peace to anyone I've done business with in the private. I want to say peace to anyone who sent an email, anyone who sent well wishes or a current event, peace to the event, or otherwise added to the foundation. You know what I mean? Peace to you. Definitely appreciate it. 
you know, it's just it's just part of the, the program and the process of everyone doing their part to, you know, what I would call and consider the uplifting of fallen humanity. With that being said, let's get started with the show and get into these current events. First current event is the Senate approves the bill to bid. I'm sorry, Senate approves bill in bid to retain U.S. net neutrality. I don't know if you're paying attention to this net neutrality. Ultimately, how it's explained is, you know, these service providers, you know, Comcast, Time Warner, they can charge higher fees and different packages for you to access different sites outside of the sites that they're looking for you to access. You know what I mean? They can throttle speeds, so on and so forth. So the U.S. Senate voted 52 to 47 today to reverse the Federal Communications Commission decision in December to repeal landmark 2015 net neutrality rules, but it still faces an uphill battle. The margin was larger than expected, with three Republicans voting with 47 Democrats and two independents to reverse the Trump administration action. Many politicians are convinced the issue will help motivate younger people to vote in the 2018 congressional elections, and numerous polls show overwhelming public support. It is not clear if the U.S. House of Representatives will vote at all on the measure, while the White House has said it opposed repealing the December FCC order. Let's treat the Internet like the public good that it is. We don't let water companies or phone companies discriminate against customers. We don't restrict access to interstate highways, uh, saying you can ride on the highway and you can't, Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer said. We shouldn't do that with the Internet either. The FCC in December repealed rules set under Democratic President Barack Obama that barred Internet service providers from blocking or slowing access to content or charging consumers more for certain content. The 2015 rules were intended to ensure a free and open Internet, give consumers equal access to web content, and bar broadband service providers from favoring their own material, material or others. The new rules require internet providers to tell consumers whether they will block or slow content or offer paid fast lanes. Republicans say they back open internet principles and want Democrats to negotiate to enshrine net neutrality rules in law. Senator John Thune, who chairs the Commerce Committee, said the fact of the matter is nothing is going to change after the new rules take effect and will not prod people to vote. I don't know how that animates people to vote if their Netflix is working. I guess that is a little shot. I guess that's a shot at the general public and at how, you know, they're just consumers of of content. And as long as the Netflix is working, they're not going to be worried about it. The vote was a rare win for Democrats in the Republican-controlled Senate and a rebuke the regulators that approved the sweeping repeal of the Obama rules. Last week, the FCC said the net neutrality rules would expire on June 11th and that the new regulations approved in December, handing providers broad new power over how consumers can access the Internet, would take effect. The revised rules were a win for Internet service providers whose practices face significant government oversight and FCC investigations under the 2015 order. But the new rules are opposed by Internet firms like Facebook, Incorporated, and Alphabet Incorporated. Comcast, Verizon, and AT&T have pledged to not block or discriminate against legal 
content after the net neutrality rules expire. A group of 22 states have sued the FCC over the repeal. AT&T said today it backs an open internet and actual bipartisan legislation that applies to all internet companies and guarantees neutrality, transparency, openness, non-discrimination, and privacy protections for all users of the internet. The FCC decided in 2015 to reclassify internet services and internet service providers as common carriers under the, the, a 1996 law. But unlike how utilities are treated, the FCC decided not to impose rate regulations or require broadband providers to file notice of pricing plans. If you're not up on that, you should probably get up on that. It affects everyone. Definitely affects, you know, the lowest of us, you know, the, the most economically challenged of us. And when it comes to being able to openly access the internet without having to pay any extra fees to access different parts of the internet, I think that affects everybody. So, you know, uh, net neutrality is a big deal. I don't really, you know, get into voting. This is a public matter. We understand that. I understand that. But, you know, once again, the internet, in my opinion, Uh, does not need to be regulated. That's going to infringe on privacy. It definitely is. And it's going to infringe on people's ability to be private if, you know, there are different rates for different types of internet access and where you're going on the web. So keep that in mind. Think about that. You know, join the fight. Uh, Do your own research. Get involved. Weekly mortgage applications fall 2.7% even before rates spike. This is CNBC. <clears throat> Borrowers may have missed an opportunity to get the last of the low rates, as it now appears interest rates are moving decidedly higher. Mortgage application volume fell 2.7% last week, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association's seasonally adjusted report. Volume was 4.5% lower than a year ago. The weakness was most pronounced in applications to refinance a home loan. The volume fell 4% to its lowest level since I'm sorry, August, I almost said October, 2008. Refinance volume is off nearly 17% from a year ago when interest rates were lower. Most borrowers today have little incentive to refinance after a boom a few years ago when interest rates hit record lows. Rates fell slightly last week, but that was temporary. The average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed-rate mortgages with conforming low balance, um, loan balances decreased to 4.77% last week from 4.78% the, the previous week, with points remaining unchanged half a point for 80% loan-to-value of ratio loans. Interest rates then moved to a seven-year high on Tuesday after a major sell-off in the bond market. Mortgage rates loosely follow a yield on the 10-year treasury. Sell-off came after a stronger-than-expected retail sales report, but the real momentum began when interest rates broke through a recent high, resulting in one of the heaviest selling days of the year to date. Mortgage applications to purchase a home, which are less rate-sensitive week-to-week, also fell down 2% for the week. Volume was just 4% higher than one year ago. Volumes should be considerably higher given the strong demand for housing in an improving economy, but low supply and high competition is holding buyers back. 
Cash is currently ruling the market as more investors come back looking to cash in on fast rising prices. Buyers struggling to afford today's steep prices are increasingly turning to adjustable rate mortgages or arms because they offer lower rates, but unfortunately, those rates are rising now as well. Jumbo and 5-1 arm rates increased, with the 5-1 arm rate increased into its highest in our survey in 4.09%, said Joe Kahn, an MBA economist. Higher interest rates usually slow growth in home prices, but because supply and demand are so out of whack right now, usual trends may not apply. With so many investors competing in cash, prices could continue to rise sharply, leaving fewer and fewer regular buyers able to become homeowners. To me, this is important. Uh, I'm, I'm an advocate for home ownership. You know, uh, a property is an asset, especially if you can get it to some type of multifamily situation where you live in one and rent out the others called house hacking. And home ownership is, is one of the main ways that people use in the pathway to wealth and building wealth. So if you can't afford a home and your housing or living expenses or costs are going to pad the pocket or pay down the mortgage of someone else, this is essentially a problem. And we're throwing away money every single year, in my opinion. A lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say renting is cheaper in the long term than buying. I don't believe that. I'm not with that. You can't take a, uh, you can't refinance your apartment and pull some cash or equity out of it. You're not building any equity in the apartment. You're not paying down a loan. You can't sell the apartment. And in most jurisdictions, all they got to do is give you 60 days and you got to get out of the apartment. Inherently, this type of living is unstable. So, this is big news to me, and I want to bring it to the attention of the people. CNN Money, get ready for higher gas prices and mortgage rates. For nearly a decade, Americans have benefited from a magical trio of cheap loans, low prices, and soaring stocks. It's been a heady mix of mortgage rates below 4%, cheap gas, and double-digit investment returns. But nine years into the economic expansion... The pixie dust may be wearing off. The Federal Reserve is raising benchmark interest rates, which means more expensive auto loans and mortgages. The 30-year fixed-rate mortgage has crept to a four-year high above 4.5%. That's still historically low, but it means borrowers can afford a little less house for their money. After years of super low inflation, Americans are paying more for things they buy. Gas prices this summer are expected to be the highest in four years. Bank of America forecasts global oil prices to top $100 a barrel next year. That means higher costs for airlines, truckers, package delivery companies, and big consumer brands. Manufacturers report higher costs for steel and aluminum. And that roaring stock market, the Dow is up about 35%, and the broader S&P 500, 500 up 27% since the election, but they are flat this year. Phenomenal corporate profits remain the stock market's backbone, but risks abound 
as the United States engages in trade talks with China, enters nuclear negotiations with North Korea, and plans to reimpose uh, sanctions on Iran. For now, Americans feel good. A recent CNN poll oops, shows 52% of Americans approve of President Trump's handling of the economy. The timing is fascinating. Higher gas prices and rising interest rates just months ahead of the midterm elections in the fall. Check that out. So, you know, if, if you got higher prices and higher costs for airlines, truckers, package delivery companies, and big consumer brands, we're going to be paying and seeing these higher prices in the stores. And check this out. I want y'all to pay close attention to, to this, what I'm about to say. You may not notice prices getting higher in the supermarket, in your local Kroger or whatnot. But I want you to pay attention to the weight. And they usually weigh them in ounces and grams. The weight of the products that you're purchasing. And pay attention to see whether the weight of these products is diminishing or being reduced over time. Because that's a, that is an indication of rising inflation on the horizon. And companies start getting ready for that before it actually hits. Because most people aren't clever enough to remember back, you know, two, three, four, five, six months ago. Moving forward, CNBC, sorry to sound like a broken record, many forces are in place that could keep pushing rates even higher. A turbulent bond market sell-off on Tuesday sent interest rates to new multi-year highs and signals the potential for a new trend that will push borrowing costs even higher on a wide range of business and consumer loans and mortgages. The selling was sparked by stronger economic data, but the market has been itching for a move higher in yields, which rise as bond prices fall. The benchmark 10-year yield ripped above 3%. It was near a seven-year high of 3.07% in midday trading. I'm sorry, trading. Mortgage rates are also at a seven-year high. Tuesday's report on April retail sales was basically in line with expectations with a three-tenths of a percent gain, but revisions to March retail sales data showed spending was up an eighth of a percent from just a half a percent, and that relieved some concern about the strength of the consumer economy. The Empire State survey also showed manufacturing activity in New York was better than expected. Strategists say the reports were the immediate catalyst, but they also point to the fact that the U.S. has a massive amount of debt to sell this year and foreign buyers are not showing the same appetite they once had. At the same time, the Fed is set to raise interest rates two more times this year, and the market is increasingly pricing in a third hike. Yields moved higher today along the entire Treasury yield curve from the two-year notes to the 30-year bonds, but the widely watched 10-year made a significant move and appears to be um, have broken into a new trend. The 10-year hit a high of about 3 up from 2.995% Monday. That new level may now mean the 10-year yield could hold above the psychological 3% mark. It appears to be definitely broken through 3%. We've tested it a couple times. It seems like we're pretty well north of that level. Seeing this is not a surprise, but the speed at which we've gotten above 3% is notable, said Mark Cabana, head of U.S. Short rate strategy 
at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. The catalyst, obviously, is this morning's data. While it was encouraging, the move seems outsized relative to the surprise, which suggests there are positioning factors at play. Earlier this month, the Treasury Department expanded the size of Treasury auctions, and it is expected to do so again this year to meet its obligation as the federal deficit balloons due to massive tax cuts and stimulus spending. Last year, the government issued $540 billion in treasuries, not including bills, and this year that could approach $1 trillion. We just got a very daunting supply backdrop in the U.S. Some of the more stalwart buyers, particularly some of the foreign private investors, are not as robust as they had been in prior years. In that environment, it has allowed rates to press higher, said Cabana. He expects to see a 3.25% 10-year by the year end while there's other forecasts of 3.5%, with some even as high as 4%. Not even cool, not even cool. Paying attention. Um, you know, like I said, home ownership is important as far as I'm concerned. You know, uh, it's the backbone, or at least, you know, a large part of the backbone of what I consider the pathway to wealth. And with these interest rates getting higher, you know, it's just it's just daunting to look at, you know, maybe a year or so in the future, two years or so in the future, when we're going to be looking to purchase properties, you know, maybe our first homes, maybe an investment home or something like that. And it may not be realistic. Given our economic positions and given the rate of interest and how it's affecting the economy. And that's a big deal to me. You know, there's there's a there's a a housing shortage right now in most major cities across America. And you have legislation that is trying to be enacted across America to rezone certain parts of cities so they can build fourplexes. Because fourplexes are considered, you know, commercial. And to me, this looks like a precursor to what could potentially end up being widespread homelessness. So, you know, I I digressed. I apologize. Uh, moving forward, Reuters, as gig economy grows, U.S. lenders reluctant to relax income rules. So this this. This, this this applies. Most U.S. mortgage lenders are not ready to relax income rules even as more Americans become part of the so-called gig economy, and banks are excluding income from this work on loan applications. A survey released today showed. So basically what that is, the gig economy is, you know, Uber, Lyft, TaskRabbit, stuff like that. Lenders worry about the ability of gig economy workers to meet their monthly mortgage payments when their income is less predictable than an employee with a steady, regular paycheck, according to the survey from mortgage finance agency Fannie Mae. So basically, they're saying if you're driving an Uber, they don't trust you. They don't trust you. You're going to get up every day and, and whip the city and, and, you know, be able to make your mortgage. They're looking to have, you know, lenders are looking to have borrowers have more traditional types of employment. This is big to me. I'm sorry. 
Then there's, oh, I'm sorry, roughly a fifth of the U.S. population works job to job, including employment with gig economy companies like Uber and TaskRabbit. The trend comes as housing supply remains tight and home values and borrowing costs are on the rise. Almost all lenders think it is difficult to use gig economy income to approve mortgage applications, citing inconsistencies and variability as risk factors. Fannie Mae said in its findings, the few who think using gig economy income is easy note the reliable documentation is crucial. 69% of the mortgage executives told Fannie Mae that current underwriting guidelines for self-employment income verification are about right. This compared with a third of them who believe they are too strict. The executive survey said they are open to options for gig and self-employment borrowers to compensate for the variability of their income. These options include uh, demonstrated improvement in credit scores for these types of applicants, lowering of their overall indebtedness, and raising their cash on hand. So basically, you got to pay down your debt. You got to work on raising your score, and you got to have more available cash, verifiable. In a bank account Lenders say They would consider creating new policies For self-employed individuals And relaxing existing income documentation And verification standards 71% of the executives said borrowers Have applied for a loan using gig income In the past year Nearly 90% of them expected the number of loan applicants With gig income would grow in the next Three to five years About two-thirds of executives acknowledged Accepting gig income on mortgage applications Would at least somewhat help Low to moderate income borrowers. They're talking about us. They're talking about us. They're talking about us right now. In a survey in December, Fannie found most gig economy workers who rent believe it would be tough to obtain a mortgage, blaming the ability to raise enough money for a down payment and credit as the steepest hurdles to getting a loan. They're talking about us. I'm going to read that again. About two-thirds of executives acknowledge accepting gig income on mortgage applications would at least, quote, somewhat, end quote, help low to moderate income borrowers. So they're acknowledging that even though they're not accepting it. Moving forward, the Wall Street Journal, why the credit card boom may have just peaked. Following some of the strongest years ever, credit card issuers are grappling with an uneasy future. Rising loan losses and increased rewards expenses are putting pressure on card lenders' returns. The result is that one of the most profitable consumer lending categories in recent years may become more of a middling player. The easy money may be gone. Y'all can check that out on Wall Street Journal. They got a paywall, y'all. I don't really deal with them. Check this out. This is a win. You know, I talk about, you know, the Internet of Things and the proliferation of autonomous technology and the replacement of human workers with machines. So this is a win for us, y'all. Walmart gives up on replacing store cashiers with machines. That's according to a recent Bloomberg report, which reveals that the retail giant is getting rid of mobile scan-and-go technology, 
which allowed customers to ring up their own purchases. Apparently, the technology didn't work for Walmart's customers. It took Walmart almost a year to figure out what the rest of us already know. You can't convince customers to do the job of a cashier just because you don't want to pay for the work, especially when eliminating cashiers doesn't result in more convenient shopping. Says making change at Walmart director Randy Perez. Meanwhile, the new technology hasn't helped Walmart's operating margins either, and it might have added to the retail giant's customer satisfaction problem, which remains at record low levels recently. Walmart American Customer Satisfaction Index score dropped a notch in 2017 from 2016, placing the retail giant at the bottom of the list of department and discount retailers ranked and a couple of notches below Sears. Wow. And Sears is horrible. It's horrible. The ASCI measures the quality of products and services American consumers receive by major department and discount retailers. Customer satisfaction has increasingly become a major issue for discount retailers like Walmart, as Amazon is turning them into its own front stores for bargain hunters. <laughs> Amazon is killing it. Y'all read that uh, Amazon, because, you know, they bought Whole Foods. So if you go to Whole Foods and you got an Amazon Prime membership, you get discounts at Whole Foods. That's a new, you know, new dance they're doing. I don't know. I don't know if that's good. It's kind of like Walmart pushing out all the mom and pop stores. That may happen. And I'm going to move to tech. Last but not least, man, this has been heavy, heavy news, man. Maybe I should stop doing, should I stop doing current events? Does it take up too much of the episode? Y'all let me know. Add me at welcome to the foundation.com. Um, George Soros' fund bought $35 million of Tesla stock and bonds while loading up on Amazon and Netflix stock. Giving the under-pressure electric car maker a major backer, the George Soros fund management bought $35 million worth of convertible notes, which are bonds that can be converted into a specified number of common stock, according to the Securities and Exchange Commission. The convertible bond is due... In March 2019, Tesla has had a tough start to the year. The company has faced major production problems with its mass market Model 3 and reshuffled top management, while CEO Elon Musk faced criticism after dismissing analysts' questions on a recent bizarre earnings call. The electric car maker relies heavily on the debt markets to raise money. Last year, it raised $1.8 billion in its first high-yield junk bond offering. Some analysts suggest that Tesla may have to raise more money to allow it to continue operating. But there is currently a mixed mood for investors towards Tesla. Shares are down nearly 9% year-to-date at the end of March. Traders were betting heavily against Tesla's bonds. The quarterly SEC filing does not give commentary as to why Soros bought the Tesla bonds, but it gives a public insight into what the fund is buying and selling. The filing was released on May 15th. 45 days since the end of the first quarter, so the positioning of the fund may have changed. So there it is. That's the current events for today. Here on the foundation. So let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Appreciate y'all sticking with me. Welcome to the foundation. You know, welcome to the foundation.com. So, today's episode is Are You a Slave? We're going to talk about the fundamentals of economic servitude. 
kind of going to get a little deep. But I think this is appropriate because I, I want to point out what I found in my own studies and my own research is that what we're dealing with here in you know the so-called United States of America when it comes to economics is nothing new. The only thing new about it is, you know, that it's actually being directed or, you know, the servitude aspect of it is being directed towards the entire population. And yeah, I said it. If you if you use the social security number, you're a W two employee, I apologize. I mean no disrespect. With all due respect, you're an economic slave. So understanding the you know the distinct root and maybe some of the little history of it can help us to get a better foundation. And from that foundation, we can push off into a situation where we are no longer under economic slavery. So with that being said, I want to let y'all know, if you're writing this down, I don't know if y'all taking notes. I don't know if people take notes, but I'm going to read. This is June 2003. You can probably find this on the internet. It's called Studia Antiqua by the BYU Scholars Archive Citation. Citation for the BYU Scholars Archive. The Biblical Studies Commons, History Commons, All right, since I'm going to get into this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to you take this kind of slow. We're going to, we're going to go over. I'm going to go over today. I already know I'm going to go over today. So name of this is called Slave Systems of the Old Testament and the American, and the American South, a study in contrast. All right, so I got this from the, you know, where did I get this from? Like I said, the BYU is by Nathan Anderson. Slave Systems of the Old Testament, the American South, a study in contrast. Oh, um, so I'm going to jump to ancient Near Eastern laws. Old Testament texts clearly reveal that slavery existed as a vibrant Israelite institution. I'm not, I'm, man. I'm not getting into politics. I ain't getting into none of that. I'm just reading. I'm reading. I ain't even write this. I don't get down like that. It is what it is. That's how, that's one of my main sayings. Let me start again. Old Testament texts clearly reveal that slavery existed as a vibrant Israelite institution. The Code of the Covenant, which is in, found in Exodus 21 through 22, the Holiness Code, Leviticus 25. And the Deuteronomic Code in Deuteronomy 15 collectively provide much of what modern scholars know and understand regarding the legal rules and regulations of slavery in biblical society. These texts, however, fail to adequately explain where the slave tradition in the Old Testament originated, considering that the Israelites viewed themselves as the subjects of harsh Egyptian servitude. It is somewhat surprising that slavery existed as such a dominant aspect of Israel's society. What factors 
contributed to this irony? How was the institution of slavery transposed from a harsh institution into a societal norm? Many scholars suggest that the slave traditions of neighboring ancient Near Eastern societies may have significantly influenced the conception of slavery in ancient Israel. Thus, before the Southern and Old Testament systems of slavery can be effectively compared, it may be helpful to identify how ancient Near Eastern slave laws influenced the sources, legal status, and treatment of slaves in the Old Testament. Much of what modern scholars know regarding the laws of ancient Near Eastern societies come from ancient law codes, which one scholar described as academic treatises on law expressed in causuatic form, rather than the legislatively enacted legal codes familiar to the contemporary society. Another scholar referred to them as an enumeration of case decisions around a series of themes which propose of serving as a guide to judges. Regardless of the exact purpose behind these law codes, they serve as an invaluable porthole into the legal and societal a societal social world of the ancient Near East and perhaps helped to explain the origin of certain Old Testament slave customs. There are essential, essentially four general ways in which slaves were acquired in the ancient Near East. First, the majority of slaves were most likely prisoners of war or chattel slaves. Y'all hear about chattel slavery, prisoners of war, who were carried back to the capture nation to work manual labor. And this is, you know, I've heard Yusuf talk about Yusuf has talked about this, you know, and people will say, oh, well, how am I entitled to slavery on my own land? Well, there's a different jurisdiction. You know, there's a commercial jurisdiction, and then there's a natural jurisdiction or a contract jurisdiction or a common law jurisdiction or what have you. What you need to understand is common law jurisdiction was brought to this land from England. So... The only thing we're dealing with for common law is the common law right to contract unlimited. So even though you can potentially be on your own land, you can be brought into a certain, quote, district. Um, These slaves were often purchased into the service of temple communities, royal estates, or the estates of high-ranking nobility rather than the private households of adverse citizens. Such may have been the case with Joseph, who was sold by the Midianites to Potiphar in Egypt. Born slaves used to replenish the slave labor supply during times of peace were often granted different rights and privileges than native slaves. I mean, the second source of slaves was that of a debt slave. Debt slavery was often limited by a specific duration of anywhere from three to 50 years as well by a general release for all slaves and their families. Westbrook asserts that where a debtor pledged himself or another in order to repay a debt, the creditor understood that the seller was under certain conditions, allowed to buy back or to redeem that property at the original price. A debt slave who had been redeemed was usually not exonerated from all liability, but merely became subordinate to a new creditor. Destitute and impoverished free men could sell themselves and sometimes their children into slavery during times of famine. Enslavement for famine was similar to enslavement for debt, but was not always identical. The sale of a child in times of famine could always be regarded as a sale made under duress, with the price being a debt. Sometimes, however, 
there was no price. Rather, free persons gave their children or themselves into slavery in return for being kept alive until the famine was over. There's a famine of knowledge going on right now. Additionally, a man who lacked inheritance rights might sell himself into slavery in order to secure some form of inheritance upon the death of his master. In Neo-Babylonian documents, in Aramaic papyri, of the 5th century B.C. from Egypt, slaves were sometimes freed with the stipulation that they, can, they continue to serve the master or provide him with food as long as he was alive. Third, an individual can be born into slavery. Such slaves could be or could have been the offspring of a union of the master and slave or of slaves. For example, the code of Hammurabi provides that a child born to a slave woman and fathered by a slave's master does not inherit with the master's freeborn children, but may be freed upon the master's death. And that's code. Fourth, free persons could become enslaved by breaking the law. For example, the law code of uh, Hammurabi provides that where a negligent farmer had managed to flood the whole district and did not have the means to compensate all his neighbors for their loss, the neighbors could sell the negligent farmer to servitude and divide the proceeds. This type of law was presumably an equitable remedy necessary to compensate the surrounding farmers for the man's breach of contract. You know I'm saying you hear, you hear the word equity and the phrase breach of contract. Another example found in the Hittite laws states, if an overseer or a shepherd elopes with a free woman and does not bring the bride price for her that he was legally obligated to pay, the woman becomes a slave for three years to the man who was legally entitled to receive the bride price. Additionally, according to the Sumerian law, the wife and children of a murderer who had been sentenced to death were also condemned to slavery. Generally, slaves in ancient Near East were chattels and could be sold, pledged, hired, given as gifts, inherited, and forfeited. However, some scholars assert that debt slaves and famine slaves were more protected from alienability than the ordinary chattel slaves due to the rights of redemption. Logically, if a debt slave was able to redeem himself, he must have been able to earn and hold some forms of property. Most likely, slaves in the ancient Near East were only permitted to hold property if their master took an interest in the slave. A master who had accepted the slave under the slave's debt repayment plan may have been more willing to allow the slave to accumulate property in order to hasten ultimate satisfa satisfaction of the debt. Many reasons why a slave in ancient Near East would have been um, able to hold property. Because of the rights of redemption and the law regarding the general release, slaves were often not slaves for life and therefore would have at some point in time the opportunity to re-enter society as free individuals. Ah. I'm seeing all types of parallels in this in this genre. Some scholars even argue that such slaves could serve as witnesses and parties in legal proceedings. Just because, you know, slaves can serve as witnesses and parties, defendant or plaintiff in legal proceedings. Is this starting to sound familiar? It is to me, man. <clears throat> However, it is important to note that even though an ancient Near Eastern slave could mortgage, buy, sell their property, 
they could not mortgage, buy, sell themselves. They remained the property of their masters, at whose whim they could be deprived of their property and influence. Mm. Many ancient Near East laws dealt with the issue of fugitive slaves. Flight was a social phenomenon. In the case of slaves, countermeasures were directed both against the slave himself and against third parties from whom he might seek assistance refuge. So-called gurus getting popped off. Let me see. Modern scholars suggest three source divisions of ancient Israelite slavery. Chattel slaves, debt slaves, and forced slaves. First, the laws regarding the purchase of chattel slaves were different depending on whether the slaves were foreigners or Hebrews. Israelites were instructed that they could only purchase chattel slaves from foreigners. Hebrew slaves were never to be purchased in fee. God explained the reason for his policy. For the Israelites are my servants, which I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as bondmen. The Israelites, per God's scriptural instructions, believed that God was to be their master because he had redeemed them from their Egyptian masters. It was therefore contrary for any Hebrew to be the master of another Hebrew. In fee simple, absolute, when God, in fact, owned them. For unto me, the children of Israel, are servants. Leviticus 25, um, verse 55. As a result of this public policy against Israelites owning Hebrew slaves in fee, the term of servitude for a Hebrew slave was limited to six years. A Hebrew master was to release his slave in the seventh year. Now, I noticed that like, everything on your on your credit after right, on, after seven years it falls off your credit report. Although such a practice may have been ideal, it makes sense that um, ancient Israel would frown upon extended periods of servitude for members of their own community. For Israel had experienced the shackles of extended servitude in Egypt for over 430 years. On the other hand, foreign slaves, unlike Hebrew slaves, could be owned forever. This is in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 46. Although the law of the Jubilee, which provided for a general release of all slaves every 50, uh, 50th year, Leviticus 25, verse 10, seems on its face to apply to both foreigner and Hebrew alike. The Jubilee probably only applied to Hebrew slaves. Um, let me move forward. Uh, the second source of biblical slavery was that, a debt sl- was that of a debt slave. Israelites who became heavily indebted could be forced to surrender or sell children or themselves to appease the demands of their creditors. Scriptural clarification of the law surrounding debt slavery is limited. At best, there is, however, one example of how these laws were applied. This is 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons, of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Either the borrower or, or the borrower's son could become a servant to the creditor. See Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. This type of servitude was subject to the seventh year release provision found in the covenant code as well as a general release in the Jubilee year. A debt slave could, however, extend his term of servitude beyond the 6th or 49th year for a relationship similar, if not identical, to shallow slavery. Thus, under the circumstances, debt slaves were extremely vulnerable to being forced into shadow slavery. 
during harsh economic conditions, including times of famine, the difference between those that waxed poor and those that couldn't pay their debts was probably insignificant. Hebrews would have been forced to sell themselves into slavery for life, a close cousin to selling title to a person in fee simple. Um, I have another source. Let me move on to this other source. So we got debt slaves and we got chattel slaves. I've heard both in the in the patriot movement and you know the national movement. Once again, that was slave systems of of the Old Testament and the American South. A study in contrast. They went on to talk about how they imposed penalties for those who helped slaves get away. They they made uh, examples of the slaves who tried to run. And that is really what's going on here when it comes to commerce, as far as I'm concerned. You try to get free from paying taxes or whatnot. See what happens. See if you don't go thrown, be thrown into a debtor's prison with a commercial charge. All right, so next I'm going to go to, this is um, the practice and jurisdiction of the Court of Admiralty. It's in three parts. This is the document. Um, I was looking for this on WelcomeToTheFoundation.com. I didn't find it. So what I'm going to do is, if you really want this, this is like some 400 pages, like a 400-page PDF. But if you want this, email me, admin at WelcomeToTheFoundation.com. Just put in uh, Court of Admiralty. You ain't got to say nothing to me. Put in Court of Admiralty, and I will send that to you, ASAP Arino. But this is, once again, the practice of jurisdiction of the Court of Admiralty in three parts. This is an historical examination of the civil jurisdiction of the Court of Admiralty, civil jurisdiction, a translation of the clerk's practice with notes on the jurisdiction and practice of the district courts, district courts, and a collection of, of precedent. I'm jumping to... How they're talking about, they're talking about compelling appearance in court. We ought also to have mentioned that admiralty has an ancient and long recognized jurisdiction to decide between the part owners of a ship or vessel who defer among themselves about the policy or advantage of sending her on a particular voyage. Now, you got to understand, there's a, you have a ship or a vessel that's in the current of commerce right now. You may have several, and this is how it's looked at when it comes to admiralty and when it comes to commercial transaction and commercial jurisdiction. Here we go. As the Court of Admiralty, it constituted is constituted at present, the greatest part of its proceeding in civil cases is in rem. Indeed, it was not long ago held that it had no jurisdiction in personam. So they only have in rem jurisdiction. So they, have, they only have jurisdiction over things. In personam, they don't have jurisdiction over people, humans. And that question was agitated so late as the year 1781 in the great case of Le Cour versus Eden. I ain't French, man. I don't know. 
if then in the reign of Elizabeth, when our author wrote the jurisdiction of the court and admiralty had been limited as it is at present, his rules of practice would have been particularly directed to the special cases of which it had cognizance. Cognizance is another word for jurisdiction, especially when you get into these older, you know, documents with regards to law. They, they have different, you know, words that they use that are archaic, but they have similes in, you know, current uh, legalese and structure. So cognizance, you know, would be an S spelled with a Z, not a, not a S, and particularly to proceedings in REM, whereas the modern subjects of admiralty jurisdiction, bottomry, salvage, and mariner's wages are not even mentioned, and only a single chapter or title relates to those proceedings which may properly be said to be in REM, for we cannot call by that name an attachment of property for the mere purpose of compelling the appearance of the defendant on which the plaintiff does not claim any right of ownership or lien, as is in the case of pseudobonary bond or seaman's wages. Now, look, to me, you know, what that saying is when, when you're dealing with certain jurisdictions, you know, when you're dealing with uh, servitude and slavery, there are certain debt instruments or bottomly instruments that are used to, you know, evidence this type of specific arrangement. And in these types of arrangements, they can, by that name and attachment of property for the mere purpose of compelling appearance of a defendant on which the plaintiff would not claim any right or ownership or lien, in this case, or suit. Bottom line is, especially if it's the state, if you're claiming that birth certificate, that's a certificate of indebtedness. That's a bond. That's a certificate. It, it, it acts as... A, a, a certificate of indebtedness, and when you stand next to it, or you stand for it, or when you understand with regards to that specific instrument, is what they do is indeed it is evidently appears that the greatest number of suits which is admiralty then entertained were actions of debt founded upon contract which were enforced in the first instance, so this is not a first word enforced, by the arrest of the debtor if he was present and by attachment of his property in order to compel his appearance if he was absent. So this is, this own, there, there must exist a specific contract for them to have in personam jurisdiction or to pursue a type of in personam jurisdiction that really stems from in rem jurisdiction because they only have jurisdiction over the thing. That thing being the instrument of enslavement, which I would call the initial, the matrix instrument of enslavement, which would be the birth certificate. How does that certificate explain enslave you? I'm going to get to that in a second. In the south of Europe, the judges who had cognizance of commercial and maritime causes were denominated consuls, and the celebrated code by which they were directed was thence called the consulate of the sea. Those consuls were mere civil judges, unconnected with the military or feudal systems. It's like um, Article One judges are unconnected with the military judges, and they're unconnected with the Article Three judges. You can have an Article Three that is sitting in an Article One court, but they're sitting in an administrative capacity. A lot of times you'll have, uh, you know, court reporters clerks and so on, address them as administrator in that specific proceeding. 
That's because it's a debt proceeding. And where the um, but in the north, where feudality most flourished, and where the judiciary power was considered as necessary, um, an appendage to military grandeur, the constable who was at the head of the land armies and the admiral who commanded the naval forces could not consistently, with the dignity of their stations, be without a portion of the judicial authority. While every petty baron had a court of his own, just say every petty baron had a court of his own. The constable, therefore, invested his lieutenants as the barons did their stewards with the power of deciding on all matters and the differences which arose out of the wars and the jurisdiction over maritime affairs naturally fair to the share of the admiral. His court was established on the model of the consular courts and those maritime contracts which are regulated by the consulate of the sea. That must be French. Consulato de la Mar, and the laws of Oleron. Y'all should look that up. The laws of Oleron. When you're understanding what we're dealing with in this commercial system, which I would definitely equate to a commercial slave system. The laws of Oleron are, you know, definitely something you need to be looking up. These different things. Of this fact, there is sufficient evidence to be found in the ancient records that are preserved in England in the Black Book of the Admiralty. I understand they got the Black Books of Admiralty, and then they're putting out Black Laws Dictionary. Henry Campbell Black. Among these is an ancient statute of King Edward I, by which he ordained, with the consent of his barons, that the stewards of the courts should not hold the plea of anything concerning merchants or mariners whether it be on charter parties of vessels, obligations, or other deeds, even though it should be um, under 40 shillings. Otherwise, they should be proceeded against by indictment. And if found guilty by the jury of 12 men, they should be imprisoned at the discretion of the Lord High and Admiral. I mean, man. Man, oh, man. Um, here we go. Sequestration, regularly speaking, is prohibited, yet goods may lawfully be attached in these cases. One, if the defendant be suspected of flight, that is to say, if he does not possess sufficient real or personal property, otherwise not. Y'all know a flight risk is not that you're going to run and not go to court. When they say that you're a flight risk, it means that you do not possess sufficient real or personal property. To satisfy the contractual or the not the contractual but the alleged uh, commercial debt that goes along with the charge. Did y'all know that? Two, if he be suspected of embezzlement and he is said to be so suspected, if his shop remains shut contrary to custom, if at the time he play at unlawful games, if he borrow money upon usurious interest. So if you're borrowing money, if you're borrowing money upon usurious interest, what is usury? Usurious interest is not. Uh, you ask me for a hundred dollars, I say you got to pay me back one hundred and ten. Who doesn't do that here? You don't borrow money to get a property. You don't borrow money to uh, charge something on a on a on a credit card. We don't borrow money to to buy vehicles. We don't understand that the things that we're doing are bringing us under this type of jurisdiction. We don't understand that the things that we've done ourselves in conjunction in relation 
to the current evil genius economic system that is popping right now. We are slaves. The fundamentals of economic servitude is you do not, do not control your labor. Number one, do you do with your time and energy in exchange for so-called money what you want to do? Or do you do what you do not want to do? To me, that is a condition of economic slavery. Anyone who has a job that they hate or they don't like, that you are under slavery of the economics or the economy of your household, of yourself. What is another condition of economic slavery? If you get paid and there's already money gone out of your money, that is a condition of a slave. If someone has control or something has control to take money from your wages that you earned exchanging your life, time, or labor, that is a condition of economic slavery. Most of us are suffering from condition of economic slavery. Most of us and our states are destroyed due to our ignorance. There are wealth eroding factors that we deal with every day. The first and foremost one is you are using the wrong entity to generate money or Federal Reserve notes for the benefit of you and your private family or private estate. You are using the entity that they put your name on in all capital letters so that you would feel a type of ownership to this entity and use it to do business. They put us in a specific educational system that does not teach us how to start our own businesses, how to work for ourselves. It teaches us how to do a specific task for someone else's business. That is a condition of economic slavery. When we are conditioned and taught to exchange our life and energy on this earth in the form of labor or Federal Reserve notes. And what we exchange for that currency, our actual liabilities and things that we do not need, that is a condition of economic slavery. If we look in nature, if you look at the courting of a male bird and a female bird, the male bird usually makes a nest. They got to uh, entice the female to get to the nest. You know, if the female likes the nest, they'll, they'll, they'll mate with you. The birds, you know, most birds, they mate for life. Most animals mate, mate for life. There's a lot of animals that don't, but there's a lot of animals that do. But if you don't have the wherewithal to develop an economic basis or foundation, you are going to have problems in your relationship, period. Those with serious relationship problems, that's a, 
a condition of economic slavery. And not to say the wealthy individuals do not have relationship issues, but they just get in divorce. And they move on. A lot of times we're stuck in the situation that we're in. He's on the lease. You know, she's she's the mother of my children. Uh, I can't. We can't afford to split the family up. Um, it's going to be a lower quality of life for the children. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that limit our lifestyles and quality of life due to our economic servitude. We don't produce. That is the condition of economic servitude. We don't produce goods and services. Condition of economic servitude. Main thing is, bottom line, you are using the wrong entity to do business. I don't get involved with calling the debtor and all this B crap. You either have a private entity or a public entity, and you're using that to generate income for you and your family. That's it. Call it what you want. Test quay, whatever. Is it public or is it private? Is it governed by legislation or is it governed by contract? Now, if you want to get out of economic slavery, one of the fundamental things that you need to understand is you have to create a source of income outside of your nine five. That doesn't necessarily mean quit your job. It may mean that you got to work two jobs, essentially. One of the jobs you're not getting paid for yet. But my biggest thing with regards to what I do here on the foundation, so L, is to be a catalyst for those who want to very bad, just don't know how to become self-sufficient, transition to the private, and actually do business with private entities in the public. Not a hypothesis, not reading someone's story and thinking that's cool. I'm talking about actually doing it every single day. That's what trustee training is. If you'd like to know more about trustee training, email me, admin at welcometothefoundation.com. But in order to get out of the situation that we're in, we're going to have to make a sacrifice. Don't email me if you're not willing to make a sacrifice. I don't know what the sacrifice is going to be, but I know how it translates. Either way, it's going to be energetic. But it translates into so many different mediums. And a workman is worthy of their hire. I've done a lot of work to put together this curriculum. And don't disrespect me. Please don't disrespect me and don't disrespect yourself. The way to get out of economic servitude is to be able to title your property and your earnings 
in the name of an entity that is not regulated or legislated by any government, state, or tribunal. The only way to do that is through contract. The world is run by contract. The Constitution is a contract. It's actually a contract indenture. That's why it has amendments to amend the contracts. There's treaties, contracts to, to enforce sanctions on different countries, contracts to do specific trade between different corporations, different countries, contracts run the world. And if we can understand the importance, the validity, and the power of contracts, you won't do anything else. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm private, all right? And I transitioned to the private. And the last of my trans, it took two years for me to fully transition because I had a lot of assets. I had a lot of different affairs that I needed to organize, retitle, so on and so forth. But I was finally able to finally transfer 100% private, as far as I'm concerned. I would say January 1st, 2018. All right. Now, I love nerdy stuff. You know, I own a technology company. Um, I just started to um, create a fund. You know, I'm going to manage money. I've had people send me money. They want me to manage their money. At first, it was kind of weird. Now I understand I'm good with money. So I accept that fiduciary responsibility. So I went to, you know, a fund, you know, think like Charles Schwab, you know, Fidelity Investments. And I went to open up a brokerage account so that I could, you know, there's some specific mining stocks and some commodities that I am looking to get this fund into ASAP, ASAP, because I see what's going on. With the, you know the the global economy, I see what's going on with the polit- you know geopolitical you know nature of what's going on, and I see the different sanctions. I just see you know hey, there's money to be made. That's all I'm saying. So you know I'm specifically I'm getting into certain specific mining stocks and commodities. I'm not getting into any real stocks. I might grab a share of Tesla or something just for fun. But beyond that, economically, I'm a very prudent individual. Bottom line is. I'm gonna drop some jewels, man. So when you're dealing when you're dealing with the public and you're dealing with trust, you gotta understand the public, the only what they understand is state created trust. You know, they went to a state school with state education, uh, you know, they went to a state university, they got a job in the state. That that corporation, even if it's Bank of America or whatever, they have a charter, a bank charter from that state. So those banks run they fall under state legislation. And then they fall under federal legislation because, you know, they're federally insured. They're federal banks um, or not federal banks, but they're federally insured banks. So they're part of the, they're part of the Federal Reserve System. You know what I mean? So more often than not, you're de- they're dealing with, you know, these types of entities that are drawn up by attorneys, state attorneys who have a state bar card, who have a, a, the duty is to the bar first and then to the public or to the public first and then to the, to the bar or, or however you want to look at it. I don't care. You know, but I'm private. So you understand what I'm saying? So I go in there, right? And I've been in there like four different times because, I don't know, you know, 
I'm executing my fiduciary responsibility. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting involved in, you know, controversy or nothing. I'm just, I just need to get it done. And in a lot of situations when you are private and you're looking to do things um, in the public, but privately, you're going to, you're going to have to be patient and be willing to try again, go back, whatever, get their car, deal with the same person. So I have to explain myself over and over again. Next time I come back. But bottom line, we were having an issue because they wanted the grant tour. When you're dealing with the state, when you're dealing with the bank, when you're dealing with a lot of these entities, state-created uh, you know, trusts or uh, trust agreements that are created by lawyers that fall under the legislation of the state, you know, there's a grant tour involved. The grant tour trusts or the simple trusts. And they, they want the information of the grant tour. They want the information of the trustees. And they want the information of a grant tour. Well, the trust that we in the private administrator is not a grant tour trust. It's not a simple trust. So therefore, the grant tour irrevocably glances the trust corpus and then walks walks away. Has nothing else to do with it. Has no rights, title, or interest in the trust thereafter at all. Even the stuff that was granted in the trust in the first place doesn't matter. So the grantor doesn't matter. There's no way that the grantor be taxed back for you know any you know uh, profits of the trust, and that's what they're looking at. You know, a lot of times you got a living trust as a grantor trust. You know, it doesn't protect you um, creditors. It just protects you from probate. You know, whereas you know there's other protections for private you know contract trusts. Nonetheless, they wanted the grantor, you know, and they wanted the other trustee. They wanted the social security number. Had the EIN of the trust, had the EIN and all that stuff. They wanted the grantor, and they were adamant. Now, look, I'm doing this fund, right? They were adamant. So am I, because I'm under non-disclosure, am I, am I just going to give up? Bottom line, what I did is the grantor and the other trustee is a trust, man, and it flew through, 100% through. Now, in any other situation, who really goes back to a space four times to get the one thing done that they went there in the first place for? A lot of people would have been like, you know what, just sign me up, you know, whatever, however, the easiest way to do it, and let me go. Well, that would not have been private. There's 100% liability on the private side. It's not the easy way out. But it's a requirement to extricate yourself from this economic servitude. Now, I'm just talking on the generation of your income. You were not created by the state of Texas, California, Washington, uh, Maryland, Illinois, Montana, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia. Montana. You were not created by the state. You were not created by the federal government. You were created by the creator, whatever you want to call them. He gave you, or she, gave you that energy, gave you that life. When you exchange that energy and that life, no one else should get paid. If you're going to do anything, you should do something charitable in the name of the Creator. And according to most religious texts, that's about 10%. But where it comes in is, is you are using their entity to do business in their commercial realm, in their commercial district, you are using their vessel. You are a bond servant for their vessel. What is that vessel? It is the birth certificate with the social security number. 
Y'all know, y'all know you can't change none of that. I want to see you go down and change the laws of your state taxes. I want to see you go and change the law of federal taxes for an individual. You can't. You are not in control. You are a slave. And until we understand this, 100% economic slavery servitude, how long and how far it dates back in time, these four main types of slavery, we're really just talking about debt slavery and chattel slavery. You pick whichever one. Where debt slave can be redeemed, we must redeem ourselves. We got 90 seconds left in the broadcast. Like I said, we're going to go over. If you are listening online, you need to call and you want to enjoy the rest of the show, you're going to want to call in. The number is 424-222-5250. You might want to do that now. Otherwise, when we start streaming, Nathaniel Nathan. There are all types of institutions, commercial and otherwise, government institutions that are benefit from the ignorance of your economic position. Not only your position, like, as far as money goes, but your position in the knowledge of not only your personal economics and the microeconomics of your, your community, but more the macroeconomics of the entire global systems is based on bond servant. You're using that you're using that entity. You're a bond servant for that entity. If anything happens, that entity does anything, you do anything in the name of that entity, you will be held liable. So under the jail. Do not enter contracts or do business in that entity. Fundamentals of economic servitude. All right, we streaming. You know what? I'm going to go to the phone lines. I want to know what y'all think. So anybody who's in the call here, Q, you can press one. You got any questions? You got a comment? I'm going to bring y'all in one by one. Hopefully I hit some nerves. Hopefully I offended you. You know, a lot of times, you know, we got to get angry before we can get in the proper mind state to make any type of distinctive change. You understand what I'm saying? I'm your brother. I love you. We're going to argue times, cuss each other out. We'll make up. We'll be cool. No, I ain't do nothing drastic. No, I ain't still your, you know, still your girlfriend or nothing. I'm not a thief. And I ain't still none of your gold or silver. I ain't slander your name in the public. I just, you know, brushed on something that maybe didn't feel too good. But that's, it's all in love. You need to understand what's going on. First one, if you want to holler at me, I'm going to go to the first caller. As long as this thing works. All right, first caller. Hope I haven't been talking in air. Can y'all hear me? 424. Two 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 five two five zero. Oh wait, we're streaming. Never mind. Nine oh eight. 
908-0419. Once again, 908-0419. Peace. What's your name? Where you calling from? Well, on the one hand, I'm kind of pissed you called me a slave, but on the other hand, I'm sort of grateful that... Did you just tell me how to start a bank? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm not sure. Uh, this is Jay, JB. How you doing? So man, it's good to talk to you. How you doing? I miss I miss your background music. It has. I, I just I don't know. I just remember the show was on tonight and it was like sitting at the desk, I was like, hey, let me see what he's talking about, and what's funny is, like, uh, I have, um, like, this book, it's uh, Babylonian and Assyrian Laws by uh, C.H.W. Johnson, it was, like, uh, copyrighted in 1905 for the, it was privately printed for the members of the Legal Classic Library, and, uh, yeah, this backs up everything you were saying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, pretty cool. You should uh, email me that. I'm gonna grab that. But I mean, everything I've read from the clerk's practice, the shoots and chancery, I mean, all this mm-hmm. old school, old school maritime stuff. It's all the same. They change the words. You know, yep. um, I think caution is a warrant. You know, I think so. They got all types of stuff that they changed around, but I mean, it's all the same stuff, man. It's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. And it makes me feel like kind of stupid. It's like, man, it's been going on for thousands of years, and I'm still not hit to it. My my father wasn't hit to it. My grandfather wasn't hit to it. My mother wasn't hit to it. But you know, you all gotta wake up sometime, right? I mean, I just want. I also want to shout out on the line anyone listening that like you know, I've spoken to soap before and like. He is definitely like a, a mentor and a friend who's um, helped me and guided me beyond measure. So, uh, you know, I just want to, I want to put that out there. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate that. That's what's up. And, uh, I do my best, man. But yeah, <laughs> but no, I like the, you know, I, I love the, the topic of the um, brokerage houses with their... FDIC accounts, so they can hold the uh, nominal <laughs> funds of the of the client. <laughs> so it sounds oh, like man. a, a quick way to. No. I was just trying to, Jay. I was trying to throw it like under. That was like a a low curveball, and you just hit it. Uh, I mean, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I just have all nominal funds. <laughs> I want to let you know, like everybody, every single show I step on two toes, and it's a lot of times it's just real subtle. But yeah, you picked up on that. I, I see you. I see you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds. It's a well. It's funny because like in um, you know, the financial dictionary. I think we talked about that. That it whole life insurance is uh covered under uh, under all that stuff. That it's it's all just. It's just another form of it's it's a whole life insurance policy on a bank account. I think I don't know maybe, <laughs> maybe if it's yeah, yeah but, I mean it's you know, you know. hard to tell these days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you could take one out on any person I suppose <laughs> or for any person. 
So, the only, uh, the only yeah. situation is that they need to have a social security number. You can't get life insurance social security number. So, I mean, and that's another thing, you know, they, all these people out here, you say, resend the social, resend the social, resend the social. It's a trap. Mm-hmm. Trap. Well, you know what no I think? I find, like, I don't, I don't know if you agree with this, but there's certain information that I feel like, like, has been out there for a while. It's it's the it's the popular um, whatever secret information, and it's it seems to me that like anything that's you know anything rebellious that's allowed to stay loud and rebellious, um, maybe that's a trap. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> like they gotta maybe. let you. Yeah. Oh no, go on, man. I'm sorry. I mean maybe it's catchy. That's all I was gonna say. You no, know, maybe maybe that's catchy. Yeah, it's like if they're you're being allowed to know something you're not supposed to know, supposedly, then maybe someone wants you to know that. So you don't know something else. It's a, what's it called? A red herring? <laughs> something like that. Yup. And then your market gets hit so, with a black swan. Oh my gosh But yeah I mean I I think I I agree totally I think a lot of this I mean A lot of stuff that's out there Is allowed to be out there For a reason And The stuff you don't hear about You don't hear about it for a reason And it's not even because I think so much Like you know To get it twisted with the public and the private And it being like It's just that you don't hear about it because there's no like one, two, three step-by-step process that isn't personalized and tailored by somebody who like, excuse my language, but understands what the fuck they're doing. And like, you know, we could talk about stuff right now that like, you know, no one's going to know what the hell we're talking about unless you put in the work and invest, you know, we, the whole, even the idea of like you know you said like people spending their energy getting their education from you or, or anyone you shouldn't even call it spending and you're investing I mean that's 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 an investment that's like money or value well placed that if you're patient and diligent will come back tenfold at least so it's not even. I don't even think we should look at it as a matter of like spending something as if we won't get like spending energy we will not get back. You're just investing that energy in a place where it'll do something for you. Just my my take on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean you gotta do something different if you want different results. It's almost too simple. Absolutely. But I mean, and consistently mm-hmm. do different if you want different results. I guess that's what's left out a lot. You know? Yes, absolutely. Well, it is. That's the thing. It, well, and then you covered that about the responsibility, like the totally the different lifestyle. It's like if you want, if you want all your rights, you you take the responsibility that comes with the, those rights, and that responsibility is not punishment. Responsibility is like. Other people don't do it for you. 
Like, you know, other, like, you, you don't, like, to be, like, you know, everyone talks about the creditor or whatever. Well, the creditor or what? what what's the credit? Is the, cre- the creditor's the boss, right? The creditor is the one running the company. So do you, as someone running a company, go into, like, you know, your subordinate's office every day and, like, I, I think, and, and ask them, hey, what, what are we doing and how do we do it? And, you know, when and, you know, can, can I do this and can I do that? Like, you'd n- never do that. So the company would go to shit. So then if you're going to be, if you're going to take on the right, the responsibilities that you got to know, like, like, so it's saying, like, you got to be able to walk into a, a financial institution or talk to them and speak, A, speak their language, and then B, realize, like, if you guys aren't meant to do business together, there's not everyone's meant to do business together. It's business. So go someplace else, like, you know, and talk to, and that's, like, very, but they're not going to tell you what to say to them. Or how to set like you're really you're you're making a deal, and then you know when you're dealing with certain agencies in certain ways, if you're taking the position of the master and a master servant uh, dichotomy, then the master doesn't ask the servant's permission, nor does the master ask the servant how to tell the servant how to do his job. You know, you got to know those things. And, you know, but yeah, so absolutely, I did leave out the fact that it is a complete and utter change in lifestyle. And, you know, you probably won't stay friends with, like, in the same way with the same people you were friends with before. And you'll, yeah, it's a a total change. But, I mean... If it's worth it to you, it's worth it to you. And if it's not, I think that's fine too. I don't think that, I don't think it is for everyone. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think no, everyone is not. Right. Not. <laughs> but you know, I, we live in a society where like everybody wants to be like everybody else. You know, so there's a certain type of, in my opinion, a self-esteem issue that comes with, you know, someone doing something that you can't, and people being able to emotionally handle that. So you know, a lot sure. of people can't aren't able to acknowledge that, hey, man, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should just back up and continue doing what I'm doing. You know, no hard feelings. You know, but it is what it is. Either way, in the process, you know, what those who are worthy, I guess, would be, for lack of a better word, they make it. And those who are not, do not. So Right. Well, it's like Yusuf always quotes, um, you know, many are called, few are chosen. And, like, that doesn't mean, in my opinion, that, like, you know, many are called by something external and then few are chosen by that external caller. It means that many is almost everyone. You, you feel a calling in you to do something and you either choose to accept that ultimate calling or, or, or you don't. And I think few people choose to do that because like you just said it's it's a lot of you know people see people want to be what everyone else looks like but they don't want to do what the person they they want to be if they're the person they they want to be just by looking from the outside in 
if they got there, they wouldn't necessarily want to do what it takes to be that person. Like, you know, it's not, and I think that's like what people have to realize. Like, you don't, you know, if you don't want a job, it doesn't mean you're not going to work. It means you're going to work harder and all the time for probably for the rest of your life, but on your terms. So, you know, you're, you're at work 24 seven in a way, but you're not at a job that someone dictates to you and can take away from you or change at their whim. So it's like, you know, which, which do you want? (laughs) I mean, and they're both, and like I said, I don't think either, either of them are better or worse than the other. I think that that you know, I, I understand the the feeling of like you know security or what you think is security of having that steady paycheck and just going to one place, doing one thing, getting it, and then I don't know, filling your time with other stuff. But and but for me, like that other stuff I was filling my time with was never satisfying enough and. The, rem- the remuneration I received for my time and energy never seemed quite adequate, so I chose what I chose, but at the same time I know a lot of people who it seems they very much enjoy what they fill their free time with and they even seem to you know, dig going to their job and so and that that's good, we need all of this like, it all works together <laughs> yeah but uh, I don't want to hog up the line all night. But I I wanted to call in. I'd been on air for a while, and I wanted to just say thank you as always. And I love you, man. <laughs> hey, man, love you too, man. Appreciate you, man. Uh, give me a call tomorrow, like the afternoon. Yeah, Stop definitely. It's been a while. Abs- definitely. All right, man. Talk to you all soon. Right, Thanks for calling in, man. Peace. Thank you. All right, I think this might be my sister. Three four seven zero five two nine. Peace. Which name are you calling from? What's the deal? What's the deal? Peace community. Peace kings and queens. It was a pleasure to hear from Brother Jeff just now. So I heard the mic drop. You threw so many people off guard tonight because that's the same thing you've been saying for the past couple of shows. You know, are we cattle? Are we we slaves? You know, and that thing just hit me, and I was like, "See, that he finally brought it." If it stepped on, if you stepped on toes, and you know what, kings and queens, you needed that because sometimes you have to really get slapped in the face to understand what's really being said. Yes, we are all slaves to these nine to five. These three to eleven, these four to twelve, whatever time shift you got. See, I keep telling everybody, fake it till you make it. You don't like your job? That's more the motivation to hurry up and get up out of them. Now, for the ones who don't, and you trying to get in the private, you need to get some kind of funds together so you could get in the private. See, I made the transition. All I gotta do now is sit my lazy butt down at the computer and send you the stuff so you can send me my paperwork back. I did what I had to do because I can't do it anymore. I can't work for Uncle Sam, give him 45% of my money that I work for 
got beat up, dragged out, dogged out, slaved out, and I don't see it. Got paid today. I'm broke already. What is that about? I'm paying the bills. I'm paying Uncle Sam, the taxes. I'm paying all the other bills. That makes no sense, community. Now, for all of those who are still working and you still didn't get those nine digits together because you want to buy that property, we keep saying, you have to man up. You have to woman up. You made that debt. You got to either clear that debt or get rid of that debt. Now, the thing about it is, we already know bankruptcies follow us up to two years, depending on what state you're in. If you aged out the debt in most states, it's six years. Once you age it out, it's aged out. Don't pick up the phones and answer the people. Don't answer the mail back. It's over. The debt has to be dismissed, people. The thing about it is now you have to figure out, do you want to keep working for people that are abusing you every day, disrespecting you, you hurting, back, foot, neck, whatever, or do you want to get in the private and put the work in for yourself? See, I made the transition. I just got to get to the computer now and do the exchange because this ain't it. I already told my coworkers, take a good look at me. Next year this time, y'all won't even see me. You will hear about Sister Yvette, but you won't see Sister Yvette. Like I told them, sister imparting systematic truth always. I don't have time. Speak of truth, seek of truth, you keep giving the community the right thing because eventually if they didn't catch it because I caught it last week you dropped the parable see some people don't want you imparting the knowledge and the wisdom and the jewels but see what's ordained for you what was created for you and was what was put before you was born is for you can't no man woman society entity or whatever take away they can try because of your nature, because of the way you deal with people, the way you speak to people, the way you form your posi- your positions and your relationships, the ancestors always going to open the door. So if one person thinks they shut the door on you, surprise, it's two more that's waiting for you. Now, just like how you said, the community is growing because people are getting tired of being bamboozled, hoodwinked, played, suckered, and tricked. All of y'all that are out there thinking you're going to stop seek of truth, speak of truth, y'all better take a good look because you might take him away from one area. Somebody's going to put him on a bigger platform, a greater platform, and a higher platform. For all of y'all didn't catch the parable last week, time is growing very short, and you all ain't going to be able to reach out and touch him or interact with them. Catch yourselves, community, because the time is getting real short. They want to cut it down. They want to shut it down. We trying to keep it in the right perspective. All of y'all, if you're not in the right perspective, if you're not in, send your donations. Keep the man on the airwaves. 
send the donations because it is, um, as we say in the public, it is a tax write-off because if you read the foundation's name, it said the foundation. It is a tax write-off for all of y'all don't know. My brother Saul L, peace to you, the kings and the queens. Peace, community. Pick yourselves up. Pick up the pace. We about to get lost. Pick up the pace. Peace. Peace, sister. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. As always, coming in with the good vibes. That is the one and only sister Yvette. Moving to the next call. Area code 805-0090. Peace. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hey. Yeah, peace, man. Um uh, name's Ivan. I'm out in California. Oh, peace, man. How are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Uh, just kind of shocked that I actually got on the line, but um, yeah, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, I just um, I was listening to you talk about you know the private and the public, and um, yeah, it's it's good stuff, you know. And um, for myself, I've been you know it's just uh, November of last year, um, so you can get a perspective of who I am and you know where I come from. Uh, I just I ran into Corey P. Smith, you know, and then from there I just went deeper in the rabbit hole, right? It started. It opened up a can of worms after reading his book and you know what he's done. So I just fixed my credit and I went from what is it, from five hundred to right now I'm up in the mid seven hundreds. Um, so just um, right now I'm just trying to invest and not, not work the nine to five. So I'm kind of fed up. I'm tired. I wake up every morning just, uh, you know, not a, don't even want to finish the day. I mean, I want to finish the day. So, so yeah, and um, watching Yusef L, Yusef L, yeah, um, you know, I like what he's doing. He's talking a lot, and, and I've been wanting to just get some money, you know, get some fi- uh, some funding money and uh i think I, I sent you an email to you uh it was to the foundation right i know you guys got a website uh so yeah just uh i'm trying to get any any lenders you recommend you know i know it's kind of a quiet thing right you guys can't, you don't want to put them on blast if you do know oh i mean um, you talking about like like credit funding uh, it it doesn't necessarily have to be credit. It could be you know personal loan. It can be a loan credit. Uh, I already got a credit card. You know I'm not trying to get like a bunch of credit cards. You know I see a lot of people and I'm promoting that. But um, yeah, you know just getting some money so I can get you know get in um, into real estate investments. So either next week. Or the week after, I'm gonna have a guest on the show, um, and that's his credit is his specialty. So you know, funding, uh, credit cards, loans, uh, uh, re- restoration, you know, all that stuff. You know, the three the three parts of credit. I think is what is it? Restoration, uh, funding. I can't remember the other one, but I'm, I'm working out <laughs> right. trying to get him to come on the show, and that's what he does. It's his business. So I would just say, give it a week or two. 
um, check out the show, listen to the show, and we'll put his information out, and then you can hit him up. But I'm, I'm working right. on that right now. I know credit services are required. We really need them in the community. So, yeah, I'm definitely working on that right now in the mix. Uh, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. I'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, that's, that's all that. Oh, well, yeah, and I want to throw a little something out there. Um, uh, yeah, well, there's, there's this guy on the Internet, and uh, I want to look. He hides his face all the time, but uh, for, I don't know, for, I guess for security purposes. It's uh, called the Trading Fraternity. You know, I was part of that for a little bit, but yeah, the guy kind of... Uh, He's big on uh, private equity, right? Yeah, there you go, private equity. He says that's where all the money's at. I don't know if that's if that's what you're you know what you're talking about, right? Private uh, on the private side, is that is that similar? Or you know, can you elaborate on that? Well, uh, the private side is something totally different. What I'm talking about is you know more uh, public credit, debtor credit, and business credit. So, oh, business credit. That, okay. So. Yeah, I know, what you, I know what you're talking about, but this, you know, this shows the foundation. So I, I deal with foundational information and principles when it comes to economic independence. Um, so I don't really oh, get into I see. You know, stuff like that. But um, check out the show, you know, next week. Um, get in contact with my guy. Um, his name is Teron. And then um, if you want to, you know, you know, email me at admin at welcome to the foundation dot com. Maybe we can. Uh, you know, maybe we could talk about that in the private. Yeah, sure. All right, man, that's all I wanted to say. Appreciate it. Uh, and uh, yeah, you, you guys have a good night. And thank you again. So take care. Right, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, have a great night, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. All right. All right, area code 718. Look at all these callers. I think it's all these callers. I'm just letting y'all know I love y'all, but nah. Nah. 718-8092. Peace. Which name are you calling from? Peace to L. This is Daryl. I'm calling right now for um, Five Town. How you doing? How's your family? Everything is good. Everything's all right, Yep. Okay, doing? that's good. I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just making it in without with the little guy today. That um, yeah, I'm not gonna fake it till I make it. I don't believe in faking moves. Um, but anyway, um, from there, everything is okay. And you all right? Yes. Yes. So, no complaints, man. Everything. That's 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 good. That's good. Well, I'm calling. I'm I'm okay. I'm just calling in and let you know everything's all right. And um. I'm going to let you take the next caller. Yeah, and uh, I'll right, be talking to you next week. Yep, good right. to hear from you, man. Appreciate you, too. Love you, man. Talk to you soon. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Bye, right, peace. All right. All right. I'm going to take one more call. What's all that, Brian, from the Bay? What's good, man? What's good with you? Hey, peace, family. How you doing? All right. Um, the only thing I uh, will say is, uh, you know, like you said, you got to realize that uh, people got to realize that they are going to keep doing this because you don't want to 
take responsibility for yourself, you know? So you got to take responsibility for what, what your whole purpose in uh, life because you don't let people tell you what to do in your house, but, yeah, you let people tell you what to do when it comes to how to make your money. And even if you do got a job, just realize, keep that and and until and you could go somewhere else. Or if you like it, just understand that, but to also work in the getting yourself in the private foundation because you could use the public to be able, you know, to get the, you know, to use the public to be able to build your private foundation or your private, you know, trust or whatever. So the whole thing is you got to, you know, look at how things are going because personally I feel is, is that we are like, uh, you know how you get eggs and stuff and they be like, oh, these are free-range eggs? I mean, that's what people are right now. They're free-range. You know, you're free-range. <laughs> you, think, you think you're free, but you're not free because you're not willing to do what it needs to be done. You know, for example, some people need to start linking up with family members or maybe you might have to set a you know, I want this car right now or something. Maybe you might want to stay with somebody in the house, maybe your family or something. Because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm in the house that I have my mom here, and I'm just going to stay here until I can be able to make that move. That's the sacrifice I'm willing to make. And you just got to figure out what are you willing to do to get to that next level. And that means working that job. Stay at that job, but understand that this ain't the end-all, be-all for you. Don't complain. Don't get angry. Just understand I'm going to use this to get to the next step. If that means working with people through contract, because you can work with somebody else, but you could contract through that person with that person. Or you can start building your own thing, but understand that it's gonna be a hard road, you know. And for that other brother, the one that was talking about the credit and stuff, the only thing I would say to him is um when you're doing that process, one thing I did for me is I wrote well what the things I was planning on doing if I was able to get um, some type of funding because you don't want to get into a situation where you're just trying to get these funding and you have no clue what you're going to do with it. First thing I would suggest is that if when he comes to that point, if he wants to use that method or something, is to understand, you know, the difference. Which is something he all did because he listened to Corey of read that man's book. I read it, but uh, to um, understand that, like you said, that is their entity that made it the the debtors not you once you get that and then you got to think for your family do not think as an individual that's what they got us thinking right now you know if you break it up it's like the word to me and I heard other people say it too I ain't gonna say I'm the original person who said this but if you look at it it's like divide you all because you divide yourself thinking that it's all about me where all these other families they roll as family. They might hate each other. They might dislike each other. But at the end of the day, they're working for that name and the blood that they have there. So, and then, you know, you just got, like I said, you just got to start looking at it. If people want to marry, contract with each other. Because you can go look at old, this type of marriage contract. They've been doing this for years, but they don't teach you that in um, the public. I didn't know until I started looking into it, that people will make a contract with each other the next thing you know, you pick your you know your wife and you read to this, and it's become a legal document. So when they go to the court, the court's going to have nothing to do with it. They look at it and say, well, you guys already said what you wanted. Instead of letting them get in your pocket, 
and use your energy. Because that's all people are going to do. You don't let them do it, they're going to take your energy because you don't know how to use it. You want to go party, you want to go kick it at the club, instead of sitting here and making the moves you need to make. That's it, man. All right, man. Words of wisdom from the Bay Area. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, you very man. much, man. Number love. Uh, you got that? You got that email with the tracking and everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you, yeah, man. Right. Don't worry. All right, man. You be safe. All right, man. cool, man. All right, you too, man. Talk to you soon. All right, peace. Oh. I see Coppertone Bay. Peace, family. How you doing? Yes, indeed. You already know, family. Going well. I'm speaking to you. You're speaking to me. Uh, what more can I say? Give thanks to the creator and the ancestors. You know what I'm saying? And we have faith away. You know what I'm saying? Definitely well. Let them know that we're here to carry on the great works. So I just want to say in reference to doing business. So you know, I know. We know that you can't do business in somebody else's name. You can't do business in another man's name. I mean, if another man puts you on something and then said, it's you, and then you're going to say, okay, it's me, and then maneuver within that, you know, you got to recognize you didn't create that family. That's just what that is. You know what I'm saying? And we got to, we got to accept that in order to know how to properly approach and address um a way of doing business. I mean, this is the way the ancestors did it as well. And that's another reason why uh, it says, under our father and our mother, that our days will belong here on earth as it's so in heaven. But we're not honoring the ways of doing business and commerce with the ancestors. I'm just being real. You know, I had a chance to sit down, talk to some individuals, and ask to see where everybody's hearts, minds, and interests and intentions are. So, uh, you know, yeah, just want the family to know that, you know, you want to keep trucking and doing what you're doing, but you might want to have it your way, but your way, you know, may not work. So uh, let's just let's, let's try not to reinvent the wheel. Let's first identify the wheel and the functions of it, you know what I'm saying, and, and properly do business in our name. You know what I'm saying? Let's do business in our new name. You know what I'm saying? You want to go back, take care of something else on the fake tissues? It's cool. You know what I'm saying? We get that. But definitely what it is, though. You know, put, put your energy into your new name. You know what I'm saying? It's like a rebirth. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it is. You know, you want to get baptized again. You want to, you know, you want to, you want to rebirth. You know what I'm saying? Relive, get, get yourself back. Uh, revive into doing business and commerce. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. And that's another thing too, this series of the matter what I'm looking at too. So I'm looking deep I'm looking deep a little bit more than the crystal ball. You know, and I'm seeing that um if certain ones don't, you know what I'm saying, tighten up soon and separate and state and claim, you know what I mean, your 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 place here, uh, it's gonna be difficult to do business. I mean, we wanna do business with our people, but if you're still attached, so to speak, you know, and you're being controlled, then that's going to limit or going to actually uh, deter us from it, you know, doing business. 
And we know business is based upon relationships. So, family, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a relationship with everybody. A good relationship with all my people. You know, divine services. But if you're attached to something else, and you know you are, and you didn't got comfortable with that, then, uh, you know what I'm saying? We got to make a move. We got to build here. You know what I'm saying? These are new beginnings. Transgenerational wealth. Let's pass it on. Protect it. Preserve it. You know what I'm saying? It's all still the same. It's the same. Same with the vault. Same with the foundation. That's what it is. You know, so to give thanks to man, I just want to say let's just do business in our new name and let's continue to do business and create. You know what I'm saying? Many we can manage. That's what it is. So, but I ain't going to hold you. I'm glad to speak to you, bro. Um, got some things I'm working on as well. Now, I'm going to share it with you, but I want to make sure I get out my, my T's crossed and I's dotted. Yeah, and I'm here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. About to pop in a little, yeah, a little, uh, look, looking over a little, looking over a little, and get you now, get familiar with some contracts, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh, I got you, uh-huh. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you soon, man. And, uh, yeah, you're right, man. Yes, sir. Talking business is a new thing, and I'm with that. Yes, sir.
And before you go to sleep at night, you name 10 more things that you're thankful for and make this a habit. And if you do this every day for 30 days, you will see the difference in your mind state, your capacity, and your overall emotions. And I guarantee you will continue to do it. Stop looking at the bad and start creating and focusing on the good. I love you. This is why I do it. I want to see you succeed. We all want to see you succeed. No one wants to see you fail. But a lot of times, in order to deal with watching you fail, I have to talk bad about you. And make you lower than me in my mind so I feel better about you failing. And that is a sign of emotional immaturity. And I have been in the position and, you know, been guilty of doing that. But the bottom line is if you believe and you begin and you stay consistent, you can become. And if I can depart or impart any type of inspiration, please let it be that. I'm not putting anyone down. I'm not talking about anyone where I am just like you. I am no one Love you I want what's best for you I, I will you the best I wish you the best And I'll talk to you soon Keep studying Keep making moves forward Keep pushing And I'll see you at the top Appreciate y'all, I love y'all Enjoy yourself, take care of yourself Kiss someone you love and hug them real tight tonight Peace to the gods Doing this thing all the way live. High frequency radio.